Hello everyone and welcome back to the kickabout. Pressure mounting on Ten Hag as Nicholas Jackson gives us all hope that we can be pro footballers. I'm your host Chris. I'm Pete. And I'm Dan. And welcome to episode 142 of the Kickabout. Dan, that sounded very chipper for the, uh, <laughs> for the sort of night you're in for. Um, yeah, we're going to do obviously all the usual stuff. Um, I was going to do a Kickabout alternate universe tonight as well, but I'm actually going to wind the question that I was going to do into a wider discussion because I feel like uh, Paul Heckenbottom, Heckenbottom uh, his comments after the game, I feel. They deserve a bit more of a deeper conversation based on what he said. But as always, we start the show with this. Damn the stat, man! So Mo Salah has been directly involved in 200 goals in 223 games uh, for Liverpool in the Premier League, with only one player reaching this milestone in fewer appearances for a club. Mm. Okay. All right. Well, as always, we'll get to the answer to that later on. Uh, quick Fantasy League update. I'm not going to go into too much details, but I'm getting very close, lads, to fucking giving up. <laughs> I'll be honest. This is really beginning to wind me up now because I did my wild card two weeks ago. Yeah. I think it was the week before the international break. And I was convinced that this was I'm onto a winner here. How Absolute points, dog shit. How many points did you get in the What, this weekend? Yeah. Uh, I think it was 31. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I think this is the third time in the five opening games. Uh, yeah, 31. I think it's the third time in five game weeks that I've been below the average. I must be catching you now. If you've not... No, you've overtaken me. No, because I've, I've swapped my team. I've lost million. like 24 points from swapping my team. Where, where are you? No, look, there you go. You're two points ahead of me, Pete. Get in. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, it was a low-scoring week all yeah, round. It I'll wasn't get a great week. Five more points when my bench goes into the game. But... Um, will I get anybody to come in? Uh, no, no, no one's coming in off my bench. Not, well, not that they were that's great. An abundance of points. <laughs> unless, unless Edison can go up front for me for Jackson, maybe. Other than Harland, you literally got nothing, did you? Yeah, Harland got me twelve points on his own. I was, I was very close to not captioning him really? because I thought that West Ham were playing quite well defending reasonably well so I thought maybe he'll be starved of chances and I almost went like someone like Sterling or Madison because they were they were playing Bournemouth and Sheffield mm. United I thought yeah they'll, they'll cook surely bloody good thing I didn't I wonder if Lee went for Jackson again <laughs> I think I had Harland, Ward, Prowse and Ariola. that probably took up the majority of my points yeah just Harland, in that one Alvarez game. got me nine points that's what yeah, that was yeah a see I'm. I've known a few people who've doubled up with Harlan and Alvarez. Yeah. And I keep looking and thinking, it's ballsy, but they are playing together yeah, a lot. Alvarez has been so good, and he has been very good. Yeah. He's gone under the radar a bit. So um, I've got a couple of changes in mind. I'm getting Jackson can just fuck off. <laughs> but honestly, he's one of the worst footballers I've ever yeah. seen grace the Premier League. Um, Sterling is going to be quickly behind him. I'm also getting a bit bored of Luis Diaz. Mm. Um, but I, I need to be careful that I don't become too reactionary. And I've had one I've had one bad week. The first week with this new team, it wasn't too bad. So I don't want to be too crazy. It's going to be difficult now as well because European football starts. There's going to be so much rotation. Yeah. Because that's what happened with like Brighton and stuff. I, and I, to be honest, the fixtures are not that clever coming nah. up. There's a lot of, There's a lot lot of teams yeah. who've got bad fixtures. Yeah. Um, 
so the, it's the, difficult the, to call. A lot of the good fixtures are from the teams that you don't really want players from. Yeah, because that just means you're going to be rotating those players mm. in and out, and I want to kind of save transfers. But I've got two free transfers to use. I'm tempted to use a third and just swallow four points because at this point I've got nothing to lose. <laughs> I can't be even further behind than last. So, um, yeah, we've had a whole bunch more people join our kickabout one. So it's a good thing they have because um, some of them have only had like one week's worth of points. <laughs> so at least I'm above them for Does the time not, being. like add their points in them? No, because no, they've, cre- they've, cre- they've obviously created the team oh, I recently. I think if they'd started from the start and then joined, I think it would bring their points in. But um, So, yeah, um, all is not quite on the Western front. It's been a very poor start to the season for me. Um, And I really appreciated uh, Chilwell coming off the bench for 10 minutes in the game, getting booked (laughs) and getting zero fucking points. That was really nice. Just the the cherry on top of a really large shit cake. I'd have had five (laughs) points from Gabriel come on if he hadn't done that. Yeah, I think, um, did Lee say he had Botman for nine if he hadn't done that? So, yes, um, he's uh, sincerely just screwed everyone uh, by doing that. Um, And talking of screwing things up, let's talk Man United. (sighs) You you went away on holiday. You had a little break uh, last week and managed to avoid the United chat. for 10 days. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, we obviously talked at length last week. We posed a few questions. I know you you listened last week. Um, I mean... (sighs) I, I I struggle to put myself in a position as a United fan right now and think, and the, the roller coaster mm. that just goes on at United where one minute you're up and the next minute you're down, week on week. But what what is what's your current assessment of what's going on at United right now? I mean, where do the problems lie or is it everywhere? I think uh starts from the top, like I think you've got to go all the way back to the Glazers, you know, why are they still at the club asking for ten billion? Like that that you know, I don't really I don't think the club's gonna be sold. Because um, it's supposed to be done in March, and we're still, well, we're in September now, nearly not far from October. Um, in terms of getting players out, you know, we had people like Harry Maguire that didn't want to leave when they should have done, um, and free up funds in that regard. But then again, why are we giving these players two hundred and fifty grand a week when they're absolutely wanked? So, <laughs> um, I mean, Pete, I don't want to be. I play devil's advocate here a bit. Obviously, I know you've been you've been on about the Glazers for a while. Gary Neville is obviously on about the Glazers a bit. I'm not saying that that's not part of the problem because it quite clearly is. But do you mm. feel like it's being used a bit too much to excuse what's going on on the pitch? Um, I mean, there's quite a few factors in United at the moment. That being one of them. Um, but I think we saw last season as well. There was a lot up in the air about the owners, what was happening, and it didn't really affect their performance come the end of the season. Um, so I'd argue no. Yeah. On that case, I think in separate cases now they've had a lot of injuries, especially to their back line, mm-hmm. um, and they've had to shuffle the pack a lot. Um, and with Maguire not being in there now, the, the scapegoat's gone. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got um, the fella that's dyed his hair blonde now. I can't remember Martinez. 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 You know, he he's made a few errors. He's starting to get on the firing line again now, not just for his height, but now for his ability and. It always seems to be someone that has to be the scapegoat for United. First it was Anthony and now he's well, busy beating big, people. So. That's a big problem we've had. You know, we've, we're losing players left, right and centre, not only through injury, but Anthony's obviously... I wasn't going to say... I don't know what <laughs> Careful, Dan. Anthony's in the bad books. Um, so I have heard a rumour, though, that that might be coming to an end. Yeah, I, I did see this... So apparently uh, text his message and thing. Yeah. So apparently, the, well, the rumor is, and this is only a rumor, nothing more, um, that his girlfriend 
was basically bribed by a journalist or some description mm. to, to produce this story of fake allegations. And she's now decided, no, this is, I don't want to do this. I want to back Anthony and dig him out of this hole. So on the assumption that that's true, that saga hopefully will come to an end and they mm. can close that chapter. But you, it, as you say, it does feel like, well, okay, that's you one chapter closed. When's the next one going to come along? now has been, as, I mean, Ten Hag even came out and said he doesn't know if he'll ever play for United again, which is a massive statement. <sighs> I... The trouble is we don't really know what's gone on behind the scenes here to, to its fullest degree, right? But on the face of it, what we can see, to me, this demonstrates a bit of a lack of player management here, man management. No, I, Could you not just fucking sit down in a, in a room in your office, like yeah, two this blokes? This has been going on for two years. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Since Ten Hag came in, like, obviously Sancho had that time away because he had mental issues and this yeah. and the other, and Ten Hag let him go away for three months and, and get over it. He's done the whole, like, you know, let me hold your hand for it all. And I, I can't remember who it was. It was either, like, Roy Keane or Gary Neville or someone. I think it was Roy Keane. He said that when a manager comes out and publicly criticises a player, that, you know, that's because they've tried everything else and nothing else has worked. Yeah. And this is the, the last resort. Like, this is the only thing that I can think of that will work. And the fact that he's come out and is now doing that. He's obviously tried every every play in the book and, and nothing seems to be working and he's obviously just got pissed off with him and, you know, I'm not going to mollycoddy or whatever it is. Do you, you see know, a future for him at not United? Not really. He's done nothing. I've, I, I think we signed him two and a half seasons ago or three seasons ago. I've not seen him do anything. Like, I forget that he's at the club half the time. It is amazing, isn't it, when you see these, these players. I mean, Sancho... One of the hottest properties in Europe. That's the thing. That's, Next that's, big thing for England. And he comes to United and it's all gone pear shaped. annoying thing. Like it's not. A, it's not a case of like Harry Maguire where I think he's really shit. Like I do think there is a player there. Um, I just don't. I know. love how Maguire gets into every conversation. Oh, I hate it. <laughs> I can't stand him. I'm just waiting for one more name on the bingo card. <laughs> <laughs> we ain't got Fred anymore. So, um, but yeah, no, I just. I just don't. I don't really know what's going on with us at the moment. I mean, one of our worst players this season has been Casemiro. Yeah, what's happened to him this year? Mm. He has gone right off the boil. And and every goal we seem to concede, and it was happening last season with City in the the cup game when Gundogan was on the edge of the box and he just had all the time in the world to to put it away and and almost all of Brighton's goals came from the edge of the box where they're cutting it back. Well, you know there never the, seems to be anyone there with them. Do you know what the interesting thing was? I, I obviously saw, caught the highlights, as I'm sure we all did. And on match of the day, they they didn't, they only showed the final part mm. of that second goal. I think it was Gross's goal. But then, I'm sure, I think it was Lee shared something in our chat where actually that move started a good 40, 45 mm. seconds previous to that with a goal kick. I think it was something like 35 passes and as Lee said, like there was just no pressure on the ball. On at any point, there was no, there was no player who actually actively really rushed in to try and close the ball down and prevent Brighton from playing. And the trouble is now is that Brighton are a team that will punish yeah, you if I'm, you if you don't do that. Well, I mean, I know people will be like Judas at me, but I obviously put Brighton to win in my bet because I I knew they would. Like you know, we struggled against. I did as well. I think the majority of people did. Against every single team this season, I know how bright, how good other than against West Ham, how good Brighton have been this season. Mm. I knew they'd destroy us. Um, but it was interesting seeing the reaction when he took Hoyland off as well. Like everybody mm. booing. Um, imagine being Martial coming off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
It's yeah, because it's a bit of a no-win situation for Martial, yeah. isn't it? Because he has to come on and do something amazing to to turn that round. But I guess the boos aren't for him coming on; it's for Hoyland mm. coming off. That's the boo. But mm. it's, like I was, I was because Ten Hag said, "Oh, you know, he's just coming back from injury, like his fitness issue." He played the full ninety minutes in both games for uh, Norway or Denmark. Norway, Norway. Yeah, I I don't. Uh, is it Norway? Denmark. Is it Denmark? Because Norway's Harland. Yes, Denmark's, they're right. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I, don't, I don't really understand that at all. I mean, in in that in the game that you were in as well, is it, I think at that point you were in the game still as well. I think yeah, it was, they, was they two, two one. I think no, because they went three and a half. Yeah. Uh, oh yes, you're right. Yes, they did. Um, so you know, one goal and that game changes potentially quite mm. quite heavily. But um, the other thing I wanted to ask you about was was Ten Hag himself. Now I sort of said last week that, you know, is there a bit of a storm brewing here with Ten Hag? Because when managers under the cosh, sometimes you see these telltale signs of managers under pressure and all this kind of stuff. And we're seeing, obviously, results are not good on the pitch. He's got problems off the pitch with certain players. Um, he's sort of, you know, he's making a few excuses. I think it's fair to say in press conferences, he's mm. bemoaning decisions and that sort of thing. Um, you know, he's... Sort of blaming things like the offside against Arsenal. You know, I know that visually the angle that we've visually the angle we've got mm-hmm. is pretty shit, but these things are calibrated. So you, you've got to trust that they're calibrated right. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you've had obviously the Anana incident against Wolves, which would have made you. That's another thing. Fuck me. He is shit. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, that third goal, I could have saved that. It came straight at him. Yeah, I, I have seen somebody earlier sort of po- pose the question that was Anana. Needed. I know it's very easy with hindsight. And I said, like, the whole time that I would have kept De Gea, like, he just won the Golden Glove. And in my opinion, I know people disagree, I think he was the best shot stopper in the league. I know people think, like, Alisson and stuff, but in my opinion, I think he was the best shot stopper. Certainly in the conversation, for sure. Yeah, he he just made saves that you'd think were certain goals. He was was so shit with the ball at his feet, but Mm. we're now trying to play this football out from the bat, and we can't even do it. Yeah, you're not good enough to do it. So the whole idea of bringing an owner in so that we could do that, we we can't even do that because we're not good enough to do it. So we've lost that shot stopper and keeping clean sheets and we've gained nothing. It's very, mm. very much the problem that Liverpool will have if they get rid of Alisson as well mm. because he saves them in games. Mm. Do we know if... Do you know if um, Tahir has actually found a new club now? No, I think he's still a free. Still free. I'm amazed. Getting back free. to the AFCON. <laughs> 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 Maybe put Anana in CDM and put Tahir in goal. Yeah, I don't know. I just, you know, with all these signs, we'll go back to Ten Hag, all these signs, I just worry that, you know, if things don't pick up soon, you know, you can already begin to hear the frustration with United fans. Yeah, they're um, so thick, aren't they? I know that. I mean, that's football fans in general, though. It pisses and, me off. I mean, and the trouble is with United fans is that, uh, uh, go back to West Ham fans mm. as well, is there is always this underlying tension between the owners. Not quite as bad as it is mm. at United. But the West Ham fans still are not massive fans of our owners, mm. and all the while things are going well on the pitch, that di- that goes away. Yeah. Um, and I think they've probably done enough our owners now to earn a little bit of good grace with our fans. But if things go bad, it's going to go back. Bad, yeah. um, and it's the same with United. But you look at like Ten Hag in his first season last year. He got us to two cup finals, won one of them. We had a decent run in the old uh, Europa League, but we were in every single competition at the time. We came third in the Premier League, like probably against the odds. Mm-hmm. And, and then, yeah, this season we've been wank, but I don't think you, I don't see how you can turn on him already after the season we had last season. Mm-hmm. Like, and every other team has improved, like Liverpool have improved. Yeah. Well, I was going to say Chelsea. 
Leeds. <laughs> On paper, they've improved. Yeah. <laughs> Arsenal, Brighton, Villa, they've all improved. Mm-hmm. I mean, Brighton are unbelievable. You know, they sell... That's even more embarrassing. They've rested a lot of their players against us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, 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 I won't read back the... Um, the WhatsApp messages from you on the day, but it was comedy gold. Watching your reactions throughout the day. The first one when Danny Welbeck scored, um, then the, then you were celebrating because you went in, and then in the next match is like, oh for fuck's sake VAR. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean Pete, do you do you do you sense trouble ahead for Ten Hag? You know, does he? I'm not suggesting for one minute that you know he's right on the brink or anything like that, but he's got to turn it around quickly, isn't he? I think all the time you're at United, there's going to be trouble, isn't there? Um, but... Again, as, as Dan alluded to, the start of last season, they started really badly. This, you've what? You're winless in three of the five games so far, isn't it? Yeah, our last one was Forest. Yeah, so it's like, to, yeah, Arsenal and... Arsenal, uh, Brighton. Brighton. Yeah. And there was a draw in there, wasn't there? Was there a draw in there somewhere? Spurs. Oh, no, we lost two lost. Spurs, but that was before... Um, Forest. Either way, it's not been a good start. It's not no. been good stuff, but we have played quite tough yeah, teams you, as well. You, to be you, fair, they've had some tough games. Um, whether the board are going to be a bit more lenient on him with the injuries and everything going on, like they are at Liverpool, where they can seamlessly get through half a season of playing shit <laughs> and still have a job. Um, I think Ten Hag is definitely under the most pressure along with Paul Heckenbottom, but I'm sure we'll speak about him later. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, it's a really hard place to be, whether you're a player, an owner, or a manager at Man United, because people just expect the best, because Man United were the definition of English football, I guess. Yeah, they were. I think the problem, the only thing I would criticise, but you don't know how much of it's Ten Hag, is, is probably the transfers this season. Um, Mason Mount I've obviously made it clear that's my bingo card <laughs> I'm not going to go saying anything else but Mason Mount not not a fan of um, Anana don't think he was really needed a goalkeeper was not a high priority signing no. but, um, but that that's the problem so last season although you've backed him you were also moaning about him quite a lot in given in certain situations who to Haya. Yeah. So you, you, for the you, ball at his feet. You did, yeah, you did yeah. back him. Well, I knew it was, it's yeah. frustrating. So there's a there's a fine line. And well, believe me, we get it too. I'm sure with both of our clubs. Where mm-hmm. These players are, you never know how good they are until you have something even more shit. Yeah. No. And I guess for, in Anana's defence, you know, he's not, I mean, his shot stopping ability is a problem as you've alluded to. But in terms of playing out from the back, that's not him. He's doing his job. He's yeah. doing his job. He it's is, it's yeah. the players in front of him that are causing the problem. Yeah. Um, like Amrabat needed to be in one of our first signings. We signed him on deadline day, and he's still still not featured. Yeah. yeah, he's injured. I'm assuming. Hoyland should have been done and dusted really early. Um, he's only just made his debut. Well, his full debut. Mm-hmm. We should have signed two strikers, not one. Hoyland yeah. looks good though. It I will say, really yeah, good, I think yeah. there's real promise there yeah. with Hoyland, have to say. He looks uh, he looks like he could be the part. I would say though, in that game, um, I don't usually do this, but I would crit- I will criticize Rashford in this yeah, game. He was awful. Um it's not just that he was awful, I just felt he was unnecessarily greedy. That's what I mean, in uh, terms he, of being awful. Yeah, he, he, he was shooting from here, there, and everywhere. I think Hoyland could have had two tappings if Rashford had played mm. it across goal in that game, at least. And he should have been taken off instead of Hoyland. Yeah. And I feel like Rashford's Almost becoming 
like it's like a Ronaldo player, it's like yeah. a Ronaldo situation where he yeah. feels like he's got to be the one to grab the game by the scruff yeah. of the neck and go and do it himself so yeah anyway what game's next <laughs> <laughs> we're not done yet <laughs> um, Brighton I mean they continue to impress they continue to do everything right um, did you see their um, picture of the England game no so it had like um Bellingham, Lewis Dunk and someone else in a picture. I think Bellingham had maybe just scored or something. And it said, um, here's a picture of a future Ballon d'Or winner um, and the other one's Bellingham. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair to Lewis Dunk, I mean, we, we obviously, we didn't talk about the, um, the Scotland game because that happened the night after the recording, mm. but England were a mile better against Scotland. We looked so much better going forward. We looked dangerous. We looked, Jude Bellingham looked like, you know, the Zidane that Real Madrid fans seem to think he is as anyway. Um, and to be fair to Lewis Dunk, you know, agreed we were dominating the game and Scotland didn't really have too much of a sniff. But Lewis Dunk did play, did play very well. Good, yeah. Very, very well. So, um, but no, I mean, just Brighton in general, um, to me, they are now the blueprint of what every club of a similar stature should be looking to do. You know, like sometimes you get those those moments. I mean, you guys in the film Moneyball, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's that kind of moment where the kind of the plucky underdogs come up with like a strategy and a policy and how they do things. All of a sudden it clicks into gear. They may not win anything, a bit like the uh, the Oakland A's didn't in Moneyball, but what they do do is they incite change in everybody else because everyone else realises, well, you know, we've got more resources than Brighton. We've got more pulling power than Brighton. If we adopt their strategy, think what we can fucking do. Mm. And at the minute, Roberto De Zerbi is destined for big things. But at the same time, I also think that could he be one of those managers that this is just a match made in heaven and actually you can't just take him out and expect him to go and do the same thing somewhere else? Graham Potter. Um, well, exactly, yeah. You see with Graham Potter. And I just wonder if actually De Zerbi, it could be one of those managers where actually a really long stay at Brighton would be actually the best thing for him and the club. Um, yeah, it depends, I think. I think the biggest problem with those sort of... Um, like managers, especially when they start to become uh, recognised, is is you're at a club that constantly sells its best players. Yeah. And I feel like that could be quite frustrating if you do want to start to win things and you're constantly selling your best players. I think it's all right for now while they're in this kind of purple patch. Mm. They've got into Europe for the first time. They're competing and beating good teams above them. They're, they're competing at the top end of the league. As you say, if that if the formula just starts to wane a little bit, if they get a few transfers wrong that don't work out and they start to drop away, then the vultures will start to circle for Deserby, I suspect. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I can see him getting a big move at some point for sure. Um, and that's no disrespect meant to Brighton because Brighton, quite right now, Brighton, you could almost almost put them in that conversation for a top six side right now with how good they are. So they they do still remind me of a Southampton though, where they had that few years of having some great players in the academy getting some youngsters doing really well because Southampton got into Europe didn't they or just on the cusp they're just on the, so you yeah. talk about when they had like Lambert Lalan and all that yeah, lot. yeah. yeah. Pella or Pella whatever yeah, like yeah Mane yeah, yeah. Um, who else do they have Van Dijk Van Dijk yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they yeah. fucked me out of team didn't they <laughs> and then Liverpool bought half their team and they couldn't really generate anyone else past more prowls. Yeah, I see Liverpool don't really go anywhere near them anymore. No, no, the uh, yeah. that, that feeder feeder contract has been terminated, I think. Well Lavia was there, wasn't he? Yeah, but yeah. he turned down Liverpool, yeah. didn't he? <laughs> turned down yeah. the feeder club. 
I hope they don't go into the, to that. I think they're doing a much better job <coughs> than what Southampton are because they're generating that resource back into the club, whereas Southampton owners wanted to uh, take it for their own. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know. I wish them the best. I think it's. I, I love the model that they have, mm. and if more clubs could generate that, then I. Yeah, actually, nice to see the transfer wages are going down as well with it. Well, the, do you know what the, the amazing thing is right now is that while we've had conversations about this in the past about the Premier League being dangerously close to that Scotland La Liga French league with Man mm. City being so dominant, mm. I know you can't take them out of the equation. But let's just say you did. Let's say Guardiola leaves and things go a bit south for City for a year or two. I don't know about you guys, but there is no one team in this division that I can say categorically they're going to win the league. And I feel like, you know, there's the obvious ones, well, Arsenal. Other than yeah, other than City. The Arsenal will obviously give you there or thereabouts. Liverpool probably. Um, but other than, you know, other than those two, I still think that there are teams in there that could knock on the door. You know, give put a good run to give us. Spurs are showing some decent signs of love with a couple more signings in them. The way Ange has got them playing, things are going well. Brighton are on the up. Um, if Chelsea can gel with this team with Pochettino then maybe they can come come knocking again you've got Newcastle who knows what they'll be doing over the next couple of years um, I was talking to uh, some guys at Word's Day because we were talking about like European football because I think Newcastle have got AC Milan and stuff like yes, that yes so we tomorrow sort of, I think isn't it yeah we were sort of saying where do you reckon certain teams would finish in the Premier League so like AC Milan for example where do I think they'd finish mm. um, I think they'd be on that cusp sort of fourth, fourth or fifth place Dortmund mid table I don't know if I go quite as low as mid table I think yeah maybe actually no I think I would knocking on the knocking on the door of Europe just but I don't think they'd be troubling the top the, the big four Atletico Madrid uh is <laughs> a very negative manager isn't he um, they're like a European West Ham they really are yeah <laughs> uh, but they did win La Liga playing yeah, like that though do, so yeah, um, I th- yeah I think all these clubs you're saying are going to be dancing around the European places mm-hmm. in one way shape or form but do you reckon they'd go toe to toe with Brighton and Villa and do, in a, do you know what in a way that's why I'm really looking forward to seeing Brighton and Newcastle mm-hmm. in the Europa League this year because they're both Villa. new they're both sorry and Villa as well they're both new to to European football uh, you know for, for a long long time they all are playing a reasonably exciting brand of football in particular Brighton mm. um, and I'm really looking to see how they measure up if they do come up against the elite like Newcastle are doing mm. um, I think it's going to be fascinating to see mm. how they do because it will give us a real marker in the sand as to where the Premier League is at because right now everyone just assumes oh it's just the Premier League it's just going to be City Arsenal and that well what about the rest of them mm. um, and maybe we'll get some answers to those questions because if Brighton turn up and play you know, let's say like an Atletico Madrid drops down into the Europa League after the group stage or something like that, and then Brighton play them off the park. Like that would be some mm-hmm. some feat to do that. Um, regardless of how good Brighton are, that's a a European powerhouse for for many mm-hmm. a year that they'd be coming up against. We've got Bayern on Wednesday, so it'd probably be us dropping down into the Europa League. <laughs> <laughs> Harry Kane must be licking his fucking lips playing you lot. <laughs> so right, okay, you'll be having no Dan. That is the the end of that. Um, Moving on then to uh, another club having some problems. Let's talk Chelsea. Uh, they played out a nil-nil draw at the Vitality against Bournemouth, and it's just Groundhog Day so for I'm Chelsea. I'm sure Pochettino said it was must-win before the start of the game. I wonder what he feels like now. Yeah, it's always awkward when you say that and then you don't obviously win it. <laughs> um, I mean, there was some. There was some very interesting takeaways from this. One of the things that I thought I don't know if it was said before or after the game. Um, 
but Pochettino said something about Mudrick, um, something along the line. Let me see if I can find the uh, the quote here. It was something along the lines of that he needs to grow or adapt as a footballer. Oh, that's right. He needs better understanding of the game. Motherfuckers on an eight-year deal for God knows how many hundreds of thousands of pounds a week, tipped to be the next Ballon d'Or winner, bought for 90-odd million, and apparently he doesn't understand the game well enough. Is he a referee? <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, he started the game, from what I saw, didn't have a great deal of impact on the game again. Um, Chelsea are just a blunt instrument. I mean, they, scored, they only scored 38 goals last season, which led them to get rid of Kai Havertz, um, who's doing similar numbers for Arsenal right now. Um, they brought in. I I, I do think the Nkunku tra- uh, injury is. See, there's another quote. Like, what's that? Uh, Mauricio Pochettino says a lack of European football for Chelsea is an advantage, but he's confident he can bring the club back to Europe next season. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess he's got to say that as Chelsea. He can't be like, yeah, mid table will do. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just I don't know what is what is wrong with Chelsea because you know Nicholas Spurs next as well. Uh, Villa. Oh. Do we see in Spurs? Tottenham versus Chelsea. Uh, that would actually be quite handy for them. Oh, no, that's November the 6th. They're just oh, saying right, that Pochettino's right, okay. going to be in uh, on Sky Sports on Monday Night Football. Right, yeah. um, that'd be quite a handy fixture because what Dan was speaking about earlier, the last time that Chelsea won was over 500 days ago on the 23rd of January 2022. The last time Chelsea beat a team in the top half of the Premier League and they beat Spurs 2-0. <laughs> that, that, I mean, that is a, an incredible stat. Five, what was it, 500 and what? Five, well, January 22. So January 22. So it's a, a year and nine months ago, basically, um, since Chelsea last beat a team in the top half of the Premier League. That is an astonishing stat. <laughs> that really for is. for a club like Chelsea. To not just win one. Mm. You know, we're talking about, you know, at some point, you know, when they're playing like Fulham and Brentford and that, they were in the top half of the league. Are we, I'm assuming we're including, you know, those teams in that in that conversation as well. But then you look at this game, you look at the way that Chelsea play, and you look at Jackson up front. What the fuck has happened to him? Because previously at Villarreal, he was a fantastic player. He looked red hot in pre-season. And it just looks like... I don't know what's happening at Chelsea. Is there some kind of, like... An in- actual curse. Is there an actual <laughs> curse? Is there an inside agent like the old um, look around me, guys? Look into my eyes. Yeah, look around yeah, me, yeah. and he's like mesmerising them and fucking hypnotising them to not remembering how to play football. It's like Space Jam. They've all put their hand on a football and they've yeah, all lost all their ability. Yeah. And there's a there's a glowing football inside the Chelsea's changing room with all their ability in it. Um, because Jackson at the moment just looks to say he's lacking confidence would be an understatement. Um, do do you? It's like Timo Werner all over again. It really it? Like is. Getting in the right positions, but yeah. just can't shoot for shit. I mean, that shot that he took on really summed up Jackson altogether. I mean, I've well, not... it was, um, the game before where he was like two yards out and he hit it over. Yeah, but again, and just his body shape yeah. was wrong for that because he was leaning back. Yeah. This one where he swipes at it with his left foot, it was such a wild hack. <laughs> um, I mean, he was in no position to shoot anyway from where he was, and it went so far wide. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's I, almost I, like one of those where you kick it with your other foot before you then go to. Shoot. That would have been that would have saved it, I think, <laughs> if that had happened. But I don't think it did. So yeah, I mean, what what's um, what's Chelsea to do here? Because they've spent a lot of fucking money, and there's still a lack of spark. Yeah. In this team, uh, and I would argue almost a, a, not lack of creativity, but do you know what I mean? Like that, there's just something missing. I think they need a few more signings. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, I, I, I do. I stand by what I said. I know. I know Lee was on the show last week, and he said, in response to what I said the week before about Chelsea having a period in the dark ages, if in, you know, in not so many words, where all these signings are going to sort of bite them on the ass. The transfer policy is not going to be one that can really work for them long term because I don't think the success is going to come with it. And I stand by that. I'm not seeing any evidence at the moment that Chelsea are a team that's. Um, going places do you know what I mean I think this is another one in terms of similar to United in terms of in terms of like the the owners are just having too much of a hand in things um, because I don't think Pochettino and Gary Potter are bad managers no I think they're just not being able to run things their way I mean obviously it's still early days for Pochettino but it's, it's difficult to have all of those players there and get a consistent side Going, I mean, they've they've had quite a few injuries as well. I saw a, a like a full eleven of their injuries. Um, yeah, they've the got some day. injuries for sure. Um, but I think you know, you look at their fixtures this season. Uh, yeah, Forest, Forest have just equalised. You look at their fixtures this season. Obviously, starting off with Liverpool is a is a tough one. Um, started that game uh, really well um, from memory, or started the game really badly. Was it I'm trying to think which way round it was? Liverpool. They they went like two. No, Chelsea started really well because Liverpool were crap. That's and right. Yeah, second yeah, half, yeah. Liverpool, Liverpool, Liverpool got back into it. it. Was it? I thought it was the other way around. Either way, no, Chelsea... Had... Liverpool were smashing them and they could have been out of yes, sight. Sorry, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, oh, yes, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Uh, so, yeah, Chelsea got back in the game, but again, really couldn't score. Then, of course, the West Ham result was a little bit of a freak result. You know, great for West Ham fans, great for me, I get it. Um, but if you actually look at the game, up until the point West Ham equalised, Chelsea were the better mm. team quite comfortably. Um the Luton game, you know, that showed signs of life. That's where Jackson got his goal. Um, Sterling played really well. And you think, okay, now they can build. You know, they've, they've got that first win under their belt. And then they go and lose to Forest at home and draw away at Bournemouth. I mean, say what you like about Chelsea and their form and their team. These are games that a team like Chelsea have to be winning or at least, you know, looking like they're going to win. I didn't think Chelsea did enough in this game. I know they had long periods of possession and stuff like that. I just don't think they do enough in games. Nah. It's almost like they get to a point where they think, oh, fuck, here we go again, and then things just I tail away. With Chelsea, and it's... I mean, I, I feel like I can compare them to United because I feel like they're both in the same boat. Um, but there's no fear factor there anymore. No. You know, before teams would go to and play United and, and play Chelsea and, and they'd almost expect to lose, whereas now teams can go to these games and expect to pick up a point or three. Yeah. Um... Pete, I come to you with, with the final word on Chelsea. Um, what do you think? <sighs> trying to ha- how to fr- how to phrase this with Chelsea start to the season. Where do you think Pochettino is now thinking about the se- what he's thinking about the season now? Is are we already in a bit of a recovery mode? I think he probably was thinking it can't really get much worse. <laughs> um, it's not that they're playing badly though. That is so frustrating because. It, it's like it's almost as if they've got cling film on the goals. <laughs> it just won't go over. I mean, Sterling's free kick, how that didn't go over the line. Jackson, he's had multiple chances between a couple of yards, and all the other te- all the other players that are. Um, you know, it's not like they're performing badly. I mean, Mudrick's shite. Yeah. But we sort of gathered that from last season. Um, well, they haven't got European football, so that should really help. Them. Yeah. Yeah, maybe we'll see them come into a little bit. But in like, the middle part of the season, but the the one thing I don't accept is when they're saying that you need time to gel with these players. Now, 
you're training day in, day out. Okay, you what? Two rest days during the week, yeah. if that, at, at Premier League level. Now, if I went to work for five days and I was there for three or four months and I still wasn't performing, I'd get sacked. Mm. Obviously, they can't do that because they're on half a life contract there. <laughs> do you know who was that scored that goal? No. Callum Hudson-Odoi. Was it? Oh, there you go. It's like the forgotten man. Yeah, how Chelsea could do with him right now. Um, but no, I sort of t- I take your point, P, because, you know, as you say, Chelsea aren't playing that badly. So to me, this isn't a problem of them not gelling. This is just a, a almost a quality problem um, because, you know, I, I'd, I'd love to watch Jackson in training, you know, because they'll be doing shooting drills, they'll be doing finishing drills, et cetera, et cetera. I have absolutely no question in my mind that Nicholas Jackson in training is probably banging them in left, right and centre, looking really confident. And then something's happening when he's stepping over that pitch um, that is just going away. So I wonder... I, th- I think, from what I understand, Nkunku is not going to be back until the new year. I think that's what mm, Lee said last, last week. Um, which is a massive, massive blow because I think right now, Jackson is praying for somebody to come mm. in and just take the pressure Broya's off him. injured as well. Uh, Broya's nearly back, apparently, but, I mean, he's had a long time out so you can't really rely on him. But Jackson, I think, just needs somebody to take the pressure off him. If somebody else can start banging in some goals mm. and get Chelsea firing again, it will take the pressure off him. And they need to play like a... A lower league team in the couple. Well, you had to say like someone like Bournemouth. <laughs> <laughs> no, someone lower down, you know, like a League Two team in the couple. Well, they played FC Wimbledon and scraped well, past them 2 1. got past them, yeah. All right, well, I'll take that back. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, the fewest points in the opening five games of a Premier League season since uh, 14 15. Uh, Jose Mourinho with four points. Um, Glenn Hoddle in 93 94. about the year then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and yeah so Mourinho had the lowest points uh, after the opening five games and then Pochettino was the joint second worst along with Glenn Hoddle from 93-94 yeah not looking good for Chelsea at the moment Um, they need to find they just need to find a way of winning a couple of games just try and get that winning feeling back amongst themselves again Uh, next up for them is a home game against Villa and then home against Brighton in the Carabao Cup uh, before a trip to Fulham so they've got some winnable games I mean Villa have you know they when they're good they're amazing but they have had moments where they've not mm. been amazing so you know they they're going to have to they're going to have to find something here chelsea because otherwise their season is going to be over before it's even mm. got going and they're going to be chasing that league already we spoke about the importance of having a good start to the season so that you can look up the league rather than behind and at the moment chelsea are doing the latter so um what about bournemouth pete how do you rate their start under their new manager struggling for goals struggling for for uh, for consistency mm. and and results, they they sit in fifteenth place with winless in the Premier League, but they have picked up three draws. Probably on par with how they expected they'd be doing. Um, again, another team which are quite fortunate. They've got a few teams below them that's just a, a dog shit. Mm. They've um, been scoring goals. Yeah, they've been have scoring they? goals. Oh yes, they have. I I stand corrected. Um, I mean, they've had some tough fixtures as well. Yeah. West Ham at home in the opening day of the season, then Liverpool, Spurs, uh, Brentford and Chelsea. So they have had a rough start to yeah. the year, in fairness to them. Um, I do like the way they play, though. I will say that. That's uh, their new manager, as Iriola, I think that's how you pronounce his name. Um, I, I do like the fact that he's got them trying to play quite positive. Mm. In in the game at the weekend against Chelsea, I thought Justin Clivert looked quite lively. Mm. Neto as well. Yeah. Neto's really... Um... 
pick that flight as well. So I Brooks think, has come back twice. Yeah, Harry, yeah, it's great to see him back. Is it David Brooks? Yeah, David. Yeah, yeah. Um, great to see him back. I think that there's, you know, Solanke, we said before, that a lot relies on his shoulders. But I, yeah, I just, I think that Bournemouth, they're, they're playing with a, a little bit of a lack of fear which I quite like. You know, it would be very easy for Bournemouth to have a bit of an inferiority complex into most games. Um, but I actually like the way they're set up. They, they, they almost, are taking it to teams. They almost feel like the Bournemouth from a few years ago when they were in the Premier League before. Yeah, they Yeah, yeah I, I, I think that they'll be okay this season. I like the way they're playing. I think the way they're going about games will see them beat teams in and around them. I think that's going to be key for them this season is if they can beat those teams in and around them, then I think they'll be fairly safe, fairly comfortable. Um, but I, the way they played against Chelsea, I don't see any reason why they can't cause an upset here and there. You know, if someone like, you know, Chelsea, the reverse fixture, maybe United, maybe even a Liverpool mm. come to town. There's no reason why they can't take the game to them and cause an upset because all three of those teams um, have had, obviously got issues. So I think Bournemouth might just, uh, might just sneak one. Uh, right, let's move on. We're going to talk Everton against Arsenal from Super Sunday. Uh, what was a, a fairly... It was one goal in two games on Super Sundays. It wasn't the uh, the most interesting of, of games, but there were still things to talk about, not least of which was Arteta finally giving us a little bit of insight into why he bought David Raya. First start for him, dropping Aaron Ramsdale. Um, what do we make of this? Expected? Harsh? What, what do we think? Um, I don't know. I just sort of assumed he'd done it because he'll play Ramsdale in the Champions League game. So his wording or his his explanation was that We've got two top goalkeepers. I need to give them both minutes. Mm. Is effectively what he said, oh, um, okay. and he 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 can't have one of his two good goalkeepers just sat there twiddling his thumbs every week. See, I've got a bit of an added one on that as well. Go on then. So his explanation a couple of weeks ago, which I only found today, the reasoning behind getting um, him in is because he wanted someone that could uh, command his box and be a better shot stopper. Interesting. I think one of one of Ramsdale's qualities is his shot stopping. Mm-hmm. And obviously Arteta doesn't think so. So maybe he's played him to come on the box against Everton or maybe he feels that one keeper would benefit against certain teams and the other with slightly different tactics. I'm not too sure. I think having both of those goalkeepers in there is sort of like when... Um, Chelsea had like Czech and Casillas. No, it wasn't Casillas, was Cudicini. it? Cudicini or any anyone like that. Yeah, like, I mean Arsenal were done it before, didn't they? With um, Mart- uh, Martinez and Leno. Yeah, but you know it's it's not never a bad thing to have two good keepers. I mean, you can always be frustrated, but it will just drive the other one to to keep improving during training. The only thing I will say though is that historically, any club that's had two Chelsea, top goalkeepers Pepper and Mendy. <laughs> well, yeah. Historically, any 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 team um, that's had two, you know, what you would call first team goalkeepers, usually one outstays the other, and by the end of the season, one of them's been moved on. Um, yeah, it's difficult with goalkeepers, isn't it? Because it's not like you come on as a sub or anything like that. You're literally not playing if you're not number one. Didn't he wanted to bring him on as a sub? Didn't he? Yeah, he did say yeah something about that. He was he regretted not bringing on keepers as subs before or something. I mean, that really would be something in the yeah, in a Premier League game to just rotate the keeper just because. Uh, um, do a Kepa. Like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just wave your finger. No, 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 no. I'm fine. I'm fine. No, you stay there. You sit down. Um, so I think when like Burnley had um, like Nick Pope, Henderson, and 
someone else as they're, well. They're Jack Butland at that point. I know, not with them two. They had like three like unreal keepers. Or was it Tom Heaton? Tom Heaton, that's it. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I just think, I just wonder if Raya is likely to be the long term choice. Um, I mean, as a goalkeeper, what would you what would you guys prefer if you put yourself in the in those two goalkeeper shoes? You're Ramsdale, Dan, and I come up to you and I say, um, "I want to use you in the Champions League games." And Pete, I'm going to use you in the Premier League games as David Raya. Which one of you two is happier? Well, probably me. Oh, yeah, because we're not going to be in the Champions League very long. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, you see my point, right? Because yeah. Champions League is meant to be is seen as the pinnacle, right? Every everybody wants to play in the in the top European competition. But as you rightly say, they could be out of it in six games. You don't know. Yeah, it's difficult. It's Ariola and Fabian. I was literally yeah. about to say that. Obviously, yeah. Ariola won a trophy. Um, I mean, Fabianski probably got something, but it's not the same as when you're not really involved, is it? Yeah. Um, be interesting to see whether you know say they did get to the Champions League final if they kept the same goalkeeper all the way up. Because um, I've seen teams where they use the weaker goalkeeper and then they get to the final and then they swap it over and put the good one in. Yeah. Um, it's so harsh when yeah, they do that. You feel such so a kick in the face. Yeah. <laughs> but again, you look back at when they actually got Ramsdale in, saying it was the curse and every team got relegated that brought him in. And yeah. He's useless. And yeah, yeah, bloody good season. Yeah, he did. And now just... suddenly we're in the conversation of, oh, why are they bringing in Sanchez? I don't think he's the problem, though. I find it quite weird that he's almost been scapegoated in that way that they've had to bring in someone like Ray. Because they've not just brought in a, a good number two. I mean, they could have signed like Dean Henderson or something. Mm. But they've gone out and bought someone that's obviously going to be a number one. I, mean, I don't think it works having two really good goalkeepers. Do you think, and dare I say this, and I don't want to keep using this comparison because it would get a bit lazy, but a, a team like Arsenal that, ha that has these ambitions of being a title-challenging team, they always want to move forward, right? You can't always stand, so you've always got to be looking, can we improve in any one of these positions? Regardless of how good those players are that you think, can we do better? And it's the same mantra that Guardiola has used. You think when he came in, was the first thing he did, he got rid of Joe Hart. Mm. And Joe yeah. Hart was England number one at the time. And he brought in Claudio Bravo and then got rid of Yeah, that, that didn't away. work. Yeah, yeah. I think he had Julio Cesar at one yeah. point. I don't know if that was before Guardiola or not. But, you know, he kept, he's not afraid. Guardiola has never been afraid of getting rid of fairly big household names if it doesn't work in his system or doesn't do what he wants it to do. So is Arteta doing the same thing here? Is he saying, look, I, I'm striving for greatness here. I'm striving to be as good as City and as good as Pep. But if I'm going to do that, I have to be ruthless. If there's something not quite right about Ramsdale, and for me, Ramsdale is an amazing shot stopper, but the ball at his feet is questionable at times. He yeah. makes rash decisions. And I just wonder, is is you is look, that the thinking? You look at City, you know, they've got strength and depth in every single area, like every single player that's on the bench can easily start for another team. But their goalkeeper, Ortega, isn't... Like a, yeah, isn't you know? No, they don't have a a great backup goalkeeper because you can't have a great backup goalkeeper. It doesn't work. No, you need when you've got their defence as well. It doesn't really matter who you have. No, it's true. <laughs> don't get me wrong. That Ortega, when he's played, he's played quite well in like the the Community Shield final and stuff like that. But it just doesn't work having two number ones. And also from a defensive point of view, is that you know I know Guardiola does rotate, but. It's it's so important to have that defensive unit, including the goalkeeper, mm. get used to each other and formulate that trust and that bond. And if you're changing the goalkeeper every couple of weeks just to keep your goalies happy, that's not going to help that. Um, so it's, it's gonna be... they signed him or loaned him. 
I'm fairly certain he's on loan, but there is an option to buy, and I'd be very surprised if Arsenal didn't take mm-hmm. up on that. I suspect the only reason they've loaned him is maybe because they have spent quite a lot of money this summer. Um, so maybe they thought we'll uh, we'll just save it for the uh, the end of next season so that we get it into next year's budget for FFP stuff. But do you think the problem with this as well, in my opinion, is someone like Ramsdale, like psychologically knowing that his place is... I mean, obviously competition's good, but I feel like it could almost force him into making more mistakes because you want to have a great performance mm. and you maybe do stuff that you're not comfortable with to try and outshine... Yeah, I guess it comes down to mentality, doesn't it? Because you, you, he's now got a choice. He's now got to head down, just keep doing the basics right, show that you can be consistent, or it's I've got to go that step beyond now. And that's when you say risks mm. are taken and things potentially go wrong. The only thing I would say is that I don't necessarily think Ramsdale's had a bad game. And no, the so when you've I been dropped and you've not of, done anything wrong, that mm, can maybe hurt a little bit. The only thing I can think of is uh, who are they playing against? It's when they went 1-0 down really quickly because, I think it was Fulham, um, mm-hmm. Saka misplaced a pass. Oh, that's Rams right, yeah. Was caught, like, miles out. Wasn't it, it um, uh, Pereira? Pereira? Yeah, and then he just passed it in. But Well, it didn't pass it in, it was a good goal. But Yeah, I know what you mean. That's the sort of error I can think that Ramsdale's kind of made. But that so, even... Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how this is handled now because if Ramsdale is going to be the European goalkeeper that's fine all the while you stay in that competition and yeah. if he's going to be the cup goalkeeper as well yeah. um, if they go deep in all those competitions Ramsdale's going to get plenty of football so you can probably just about keep him happy it's a pain in the arse for FPL these goalkeepers <laughs> around as well I mean I don't have them but well no one's not many people are keeping with clean sheets in the minute anyway so no. it doesn't fucking matter just go for the goalkeeper that makes the most saves at the moment seems mm. to be the way forward so um, but anyway to, to the game itself um, what do we think of, of Arsenal's performance in this Is it was this a uh, grind out a victory a sort of uh, you know champions elect type performance where if you're not playing well just make sure you win I don't really other than maybe against United I don't really think I've seen Arsenal play well this season Mm. it does feel it's got a little bit of the Liverpools about Mm. it hasn't it like they've just been grinding out performances and wins without actually not hitting top gear yet Mm. because actually I said against United they didn't really play amazing against us it weren't until the two last minute goals that they actually beat us well, yeah, um, and obviously with that offside decision, it could have easily gone the other way. So, um, yeah, Pete, what do, you, what do you make of Arsenal's season so far? I don't see them as a threat for the title yet. Um, maybe there's some more that we haven't seen of them. But certainly in this performance, it just seems like they were up against a, a crap side and they just managed to get a goal, to be honest with you. There wasn't really much about it. The, the offside was a little bit... Of a mind boggle for me, and I actually yeah. have the rules of that. You've read the rules, yeah. Go on, hit me because I'm really confused about this as well. So the the way that they've determined it is because um, I can't remember who it was. It might have been uh, Saliba. Yeah. When he's uh, kicked the ball, it's taken a huge deflection off of there. Yeah, it was Beto, wasn't it? Um, and it's gone straight to Inketia. Inketia, yeah. Um, they've deemed that as a deliberate pass because. Uh, he was already jumping to the ball as it was deflected. Um, so that, that's classed as a deliberate pass because the uh, opposition player is not in control of his body. I see. So what they're saying is the deflection off, off the, the Everton player can't be taken as a deliberate pass to Enketia and therefore he's, yeah. he's offside. It's weird, isn't it? Because my understanding of the offside rule with these things has always been that it needs to be a deliberate uh, pass forward 
that, from... that, that's what I'm trying to say. That that's the way they've seen it. Yeah. Because the Everton player is in the air already making the action to tackle. Yeah. Once once the ball was played, it's then classed as a deliberate pass to Inketi, which is why it was offside mm. in the build up. Yeah, interesting one that one. I do you know what they, they've been I don't know if you guys have been watching them, but sometimes Howard Webb comes on Sky Sports mm. and he does the uh uh, the behind the scenes with the VAR, so you can hear all the conversations are going on between the ref and the. We've and, started getting like Mike Dean to do uh, commentary on games. Oh, as God, well. Yeah, can't keep that. Can't keep a good man down, can you? Yeah. But, but we, I'd be really interested to hear the conversation around this one and see what the thought process was and how that, they got to it. That's what I mean. Like equal to the argument that we we moan about referees, but in the moment, if you're thinking about all of these rules and and how that would go against one team and benefit the other. If they're thinking in that much detail about the rules, then fair play to them because they're, they're actually right. By the book, they're right. Mm. That's an offside. And a lot of people are scratching their heads, even myself, thinking, how is that offside that's come off of their player? And let's not forget, I mean, we we as fans and media and everybody else, we put an all, a huge amount of pressure on VAR to hurry up and get things done quickly. And when you listen to those VAR calls back with Howard Webb when he's showing you the thought process... The speed at which they are going through yeah. that process, it's actually quite impressive mm-hmm. on some levels. I know we are very critical of VAR and sometimes rightly so, but at the same time, you've got to have some mad respect for them. In the heat of the moment, this is a Premier League match. The eyes of the world are on you and you've got to make a decision within 30 seconds as to what you think that is. And a lot of the times it is subjective because mm. even though offside normally is black and white, this one wasn't because you've got to make a subjective call as, about, as to whether that was a deliberate pass or whatever sometimes penalty is very um subjective you know you've got you're putting your yourself on the line here mm. and and the, the results of those decisions have huge ramifications for teams and their seasons so yeah i think for for a change we're going to give a little bit of uh of, of respect to VAR. not much because they do make some <laughs> stupid fucking calls but on this occasion i think we can um you know tip don our hat and tip it to them and say all right fair enough you made a good call there um, but uh, overall, Everton, though, um, I still stand by everything that I've said about them so far this season, that I just, they are so dull. They're so dull. There's, there's nothing in that team that, to me, says you're the player that's going to get this Everton side going. There's not one player in that team. They just look like a championship team. They just, they're so boring. Mm. Um, and I, I, you know, I know this is a Sean Dyche team and his, his teams are associated a little bit with being, you know, just very strict and disciplined sides that perhaps don't. Marston. Dyche. The trouble is with Everton though is that mm. how many times are you going to change your manager before you realise that the manager's not the problem? Mm. Um, they've got serious problems behind the scenes with money and everything else. The transfers. Well, I think they just sold the club, haven't they? Not yet. The, the, I'd heard that the partner had come in, had bailed, oh. and they're now trying to find another one or something. I'm sure it was. Well, I thought they'd sold it. Maybe I'm sure I read somewhere so like that there was a hold up. Yeah, I'm sure there was a hold up somewhere. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I misread it. But um, if that's the case, then that that will help massively. Um, but there is, there's still their transfer policies have not been good. Um, I do like the look of that Beto, the striker. I think mm. it's Beto, isn't it? Was it Benno? I can't remember what his name is. Yeah, he, he looks really good. Uh, I think he can score some goals, but he's going to need better service. Mm. And at the moment, I fail to see where that creativity comes from. They lost Iwobi, mm. who, for, you know, for all his criticisms last year, he was one of their better creative sparks. Dwight McNeil's pretty average. Dwight McNeil's bang average. He has a good game every now and then. Um, I think that that Onana in midfield, I think... He's not lived up to the expectations I think Everton wanted. Tarkovsky. 
because you were big team. You had me F building. I did, yeah, because I thought that Sean <laughs> Sean Dyche was going to make them defensively solid, and he's done a, you know nothing but really. So yeah, I, I worry for Everton. I really do. I think they are very very much in this relegation fight this year, um, and I think I had them safe. Fairly comfortably. I don't know if you remember that in my. I do remember in my <laughs> in my table predictions on YouTube, and I'm starting to regret it <laughs> because they just look devoid of any excitement. I, mean, I think so I had them one above the relegation zone, and I mean, I'm massively yeah, questioning that. To be probably honest. about cock on, I'd say. Um, do, I mean, do you? Who in this Everton side for you is going to be key if they're going to stay up? Because at the moment, I'm struggling to pick out any Excellent. one of them players. That's bad news, isn't it? Mm. You rely on your goalkeeper to save you. Yeah, well, I don't. I feel like the rest of the team is just bang average. I mean. Yeah, it's it's going to be it's going to be a long hard season for Everton fans. I'm sorry to say, but I think it is. Uh, right, moving on on to uh, a game where on a weekend where there was a lot of late goals across uh, the Premier League and in in EFL because I think Pompey scored a very late one as well for a draw at the weekend. We did indeed. Yeah. Um, there was George Smith. Yeah, uh, still unbeaten though, Pete. Yeah, one long, of our longest league. unbeaten run in the world. In the world? Yeah. Oh, nice. It's coming on 18, seven wins and 11 draws. <laughs> we love to see it. Where are you in the table? Uh, we're in the playoffs at the moment, okay. but we've got a game in hand. Mm. So we could still go top, but we'll probably draw it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, late goals are plenty everywhere, and there were two at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, where Tottenham rallied themselves at the death to, uh, to make a... Uh, uh, a bad situation, a home defeat against Sheffield United would have been pretty bad for them, let's be honest. Um, but they turned it around and got the three points. Um, now, we're going to talk uh, about Spurs in a moment, but we're going to start with Sheffield United because a quite extraordinary interview was conducted by their manager, uh, Paul Heckingbottom, after the game, where he went on a big rant about officials and how they're killing the game and how they ain't got a clue what they're doing. And I'm sort of paraphrasing, but that is in, in effect what he said. And in, in some cases, he even used similar language. Um, does he have a point? Or do you think this is a bit of a deflection tactic that he's just sort of venting because he's they've lost in the way that they have? What, what do you guys think about this one? There's a multiple of things. I mean... He's right to a degree, but he didn't need to speak about it for 10 minutes. <laughs> um, you know, we criticise referees. We can commendate them as well. Um, I didn't really need to speak about it for that long. I, 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 I know he's under pressure. I think we had... Um, I can't remember who it was, but someone else was at the game. Um, appears that his job is seriously under threat and he could be looking at getting his foot in the door. Or another manager. Another yeah, manager. their oh, right. previous manager, and I can't remember who it was now. Uh, Chris Wilder. Chris Wilder. Yeah, he okay. was at the game. He, you know, it could could be nothing. Um, yeah, I'm not really sure why he's he's gone in on a rant like that. To be honest with you, but um, you know, we saw it with. Oh, fucking hell! What's his name? Jones. Oh, um, Phil. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Rob. Is it Rob? No, not Rob. You talk about the Southampton manager, yeah, aren't you? Yeah. yeah. Nathan Jones. Nathan Jones, yeah, good shout. Um, yeah, some managers just seem to lose the plot. I mean, you've got Jurgen Klopp that talks about the pitch being too wet, too dry, too sunny, too fucking snowy. <laughs> and he's just taken it to a completely different degree. Yeah. Uh, Dan, do you, I mean, do you sympathise with him on any level of this or do you think this is just... I, think, I, do, I do think the referees have been quite poor this season. But could you not, on the flip side of that say that the referees are only 
enforcing laws that have been put onto them by the PGMOL? Uh, yes and no. There is obviously a lot of new rules that have... Well, it seems like there's a lot of new rules that have come in this season, but I think a lot of uh, common sense... I think the problem with VAR is it's just made referees really lazy because they can get it wrong and then just rely on VAR to make the right decision. Well, in, in this particular case, I'm not sure VAR was the, the, the target. No, I'm not, I'm not, but I mean, that that's what I mean in terms of referees. I yeah. feel like they've become poor because they can just rely on VAR. Yeah. Um, I, when the, the whole, all this added time came in, I, was, I thought it was a really good thing. Um, and I still kind of do because it does stop teams from um, time wasting and stuff like that. But like in this game that's on now, I don't know if you boys saw earlier, but um, the guy got a yellow card because he was talking to the referee while they tried to take a quick free kick, kicked it at him, and he got a yellow card for disrupting play. Yeah. And it's just little things like that, like common sense. It's blatantly not a yellow card. Yeah, I, 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 there was another one. I'm trying to think. I think it was an Arsenal player. I think it might be Tomiyasu for one of his yellows where he got the red card mm. against Palace, I think it was, where he was like the third player who was given the ball to take the throw in, and yet he got the yellow card. Mm. Um, and then this weekend, there were 44 yellow cards. That's, yeah, that's the a most lot. in a single weekend. Plus, that's not even including this game today. Yeah, I, I think that the PGMOL, we, we talked about whether they would continue along this path if, you know... It must be a living crisis or something. Yeah. <laughs> We, we, we talked about whether they would continue on with this because historically any new directive that comes in always seems to be really heavily enforced early on in the season and it fades away quite quickly. At the moment, they're sticking to their guns and I commend them for doing that because what's the point of new directives if you're not going to give it a proper try and mm. actually go deep with it? But you're absolutely right. I think there needs to be a middle ground here. I think if you're... One of the things that um, Heckenbotham was saying is that, you know, we've trained all week to play a particular way against Tottenham. And we're obviously up against it because we are the inferior side here. And he's saying that Tottenham do something different and unexpected. The players have to react to what Spurs are doing and do something different. And basically they're, they're getting booked for just taking a few extra seconds for, for working out what do they need to do here. Um, and his argument is, is that effectively what they're doing is that the referees are almost sub sub subconsciously affecting the way that you're playing because the goalkeepers are now thinking, oh shit, I've got to hurry up to make a decision here. I'm just going to have to lump it long, which mm. is probably what Spurs want rather than doing something different or whatever else. So I do get what he's saying. I actually, I don't disagree with, with anything he said. I think he may have gone a bit too far with some of the things that he said, saying that referees are destroying the game. He's obviously pissed off. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not so sure I'd go that far. I think the referees don't help themselves at times and some of the the very grey area in some of these rules with things like offside and, and, and as you mentioned VAR can be misused as well it's not helping it's not helping at all but I think that the referees should exercise common sense a bit more with these things um, with the, the added on time do you think a better solution to this rather than allowing the clock to continue running and then getting to the end of the game and then having an extra 13 minutes on the end of the game would a better solution would be to just stop the clock during the game because at least then, when a player looks at the clock, he'll see, oh, we've got five minutes left. Like an, like an, an American football game, for example. Mm. The clock stops if the ball's out of play for an injury or something like that. If it just goes out for a goal kick or a throw, no, you keep the clock running within reason. But if there's an injury, a goal celebration, penalty decision, something like that, just stop the clock. Because that way, at least, you know when you get to 90 minutes, you know the game's done. Same in, in rugby. Rugby's exactly the same. You never see that in rugby. As soon as, the ball gets to, as soon as it gets to 80 minutes, they just fucking boot the ball in the stadium to finish the game. So I just wonder if that is a, a better solution because mentally the players are looking at the clock knowing that when it gets to 90, it's game over. 
Whereas now they're looking at 90 thinking, fuck me, they could be, I could be going for another 15 yeah. minutes here. So I just wonder if mentally that just might help because it just, yeah, gives them gives them something to aim for because they know that that is going to be the end of the game come hell or high water. Notoriously, if anything makes sense in football, it won't happen. So <laughs> no, it's a good idea. True. I'm fully behind that, but I, I can't see that being the case. No. So, but in terms to, um, and obviously he was upset about the red card as well because Ollie McBurney supposedly just asked a question fairly innocently to the referee, and I think he either got, I don't think he got straight red. It was a second yellow, second wasn't it? Yellow. So, uh, but Spurs though, I mean, you know, say what you like, you know, they've they've done what they needed to within the laws of the game. They've obviously left it late. Um, and dare I say it, we've given Richarlison an awful lot of stick, but I suspect he was probably quite a popular goal scorer on the day, given everything that has come out about him recently. And we saw him in tears on, on, on international duty for Brazil. Apparently he's been having some psychiatric help to try and get him over this rut. Um, so I suspect this was quite a popular goal for, for, for Spurs. Yeah, a really good game. He, Scored a goal and he got the assist as well. So the Kulisevsky goal was really good. Yeah, yeah. It's actually when you look at the the um the impact which Arison had, it does make you wonder where this player has been for the last eighteen months because he he has that in him. He leads the life of Brazil. He was, you know, their Everton's talisman for a number of years. Um, jury for me is very much still out though as to whether he can lead the line for them. Um, although I don't think Son was particularly good in this game, um, at doing that. So, yeah, um. As much as I do dislike uh, Richarlison, it has to be said, I'm not going to change my mind on that. Um, I was at least pleased to see him get that goal, maybe get a little bit of a monkey off his back. And hopefully old uh, old Ange can continue what he's doing because up next we've got a North London derby. And there's a red card in the game here. Who's this for? I don't know, Jeff. What was that? that? <laughs> <laughs> what was that for? It doesn't look like he's oh, It doesn't look like he's complaining very much, so he looks more annoyed with himself if anything else. Uh, as Burnley go down to ten men with just a couple of minutes to go. So yeah, um what have you made of Spurs at start of the season then? I just imagine they'd be very happy with themselves, won't they? Yeah. Um it seemed like they're starting to click together. Um I think they've made some good signings to be fair. Did they start with Son up front? They did, yes. Uh, I'm yeah, glad he didn't do anything because I, I was going to put him in, but I forgot. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm tempted to get him in there, but I, I'm always worried with fantasy leagues. You're doing, you're being too reactionary. Mm. He scored a hat trick last week. Yeah. Oh, I've got to put him in. Mm. Um, whereas the horse is very much already bolted on that one. Yeah, no, I think Tottenham's season started very well. I think um, you know we all said, didn't we, at the start of the season that Andrew's going to have to hit the ground running to keep the fans on side because of you know the uh, furore around his appointment being seventh in line for the. The, uh, the role, despite what Daniel Levy says. So, yeah, he started exactly how they wanted him to. Um, and the North London derby, I think that could be quite an interesting game mm. because, as we talked about earlier, Arsenal have not been at it at their at their best, for sure. They've been they've been efficient. They've done what they needed to in most games, mm. but they've certainly not hit top gear yet. What is it, the Emirates? Uh, it is... I'm quite torn in that game, again, with my FPL, because I've got quite, so, a few, yeah, it's at the Emirates. quite a few defenders from both teams yeah. there. I hate it when that I happens. Just, I need to bite the bullet and just go for one team. Yeah. I'm siding with Arsenal just because I just don't trust Spurs. They've had a really good start to the season. They've been pretty impressive, but something's got to fall off of that wagon at some point. You should bring in Kai Havertz, Chris. Yeah? Mm. Why? Funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, he got dropped for the first time of the weekend, didn't he? Yeah. Finally, Arteta finally bit the bullet. Uh, with that, yeah, I, I I agree with you, Pete. It it does sort of feel like um, the wagon's going to come off of one of these two teams. 
I, I, I don't envisage a, uh, a nil-nil in this game, put it that way. I envisage one one team really showing up and the other team still stuttering a little bit. And Spurs have been very good this season, don't get me wrong, but they have had one or two games where they've conceded a couple of goals, looked a little bit lighter at the back, but their goals up front have got them through games. So I think it could be a really, really intriguing game and it will be a massive test for Arsenal's title credentials this year. This will be the first yeah. real test, if you like. I mean, May night was a, was a big test for them as well and they got through mm. that, I suppose. Um, but obviously United have been in uh, you know bad form, as we know, whereas Spurs are in good nick. So this is going to be a a North London derby derby to uh, to cherish, and then after that they've got uh, Liverpool as well, Spurs. So they've got a couple of difficult games incoming. So we'll find out a bit more about them as well. Uh, right, moving on, uh, we're going to talk about Wolves against Liverpool. And Liverpool continue to uh, to sort of just churn away results, don't they? Once again, starting the game very very slowly. Um, as they have done, they went a goal down. They were lucky to not concede at least one or two more in that period as well. Some very poor finishing and questionable finishing as well for Wolves. Um, they just find a finding ways to win. Um, mm. I I just can't work Liverpool out at the moment. I can't work out if they're just a really really good side, just not quite hitting the mark, or whether they're actually a bang average team that are just finding ways to win games. They only seem to perform in one half, which is it's just so frustrating. I don't really understand how you can be so crap one half and so brilliant the next. Well, well Klopp effectively said we couldn't get any worse in that first half, um, but the second half yeah, they were superb. Um, Mo Salah getting three assists, which is lovely after I take him out my FPL team. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, Who was the uh, the forward for Wolves? That Kunther? Kunja. Yeah. Did you see his... Uh, yeah, that's what Com- I meant. Comical effort. That's what I meant by uh, questionable finishing. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah I, I do like Liverpool. I like what they're... It feels to me like there's a little bit of a build going on here. Um, they've obviously got a lot of new players coming, especially in that midfield area. They're still finding their feet up front as well, I would say, because you know they've not really gelled in the same way. We're probably still subconsciously thinking of, you know the Mane, um, Salah and Firmino effect, and we're still waiting for their front, their new front three to, to, to be the new version of that, um, which might be a little bit unfair on, you know, on those players. But um, I, don't, I don't really know what the, what the limit is for Liverpool this season, to be honest, because they've got, they're in Europa League, I believe. Yes, uh, or did they get Champions League? No, Europa League, wasn't it? Yeah, Europa League. On the, on the last day or whatever it was. Um I just, I don't know, I've just got this feeling like Liverpool are just going to be like this silent team this year that no one's going to really talk about in too many times. Definitely a better side than what they were last season. Mm. I think they'll be Champions League at the end of the season. Mm. Mm. How close do you think they'll get? Do you think they can mount a challenge? For the title? Mm. No. You think they'll be too far away? So right now then, if I had to put you both on the spot, who's going to be the nearest contenders to, to Man City then? I think Arsenal. Mm. I, I'm I honestly not sure at the moment I'm I'm worried going, about this season to be honest from a, from a title point of view won't be United I can tell you that <laughs> Brighton no <laughs> I think European football will uh, have a if, 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 Europe, if Brighton didn't have European football they could potentially be up there I reckon even though I slate him I'm just gonna I'm gonna go off on a limb and I'm going to say Spurs come second wow just because I Get don't out <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. uh, that's a big shout. That is a big I just, shout. I don't see anything from this Arsenal side this season that really says threat. Yeah, not right they, they now. They seem anyway. way too soft, and there's too many question marks over them. I, again, with Spurs, you can say how they're Spursy and 
but every everything that's come to them so far, they've delivered a result. Mm. But I just I just know they're going to implode as soon as I say that because <laughs> that's just what they do. And I don't see any other threats coming from United. I don't see anything coming from Liverpool to an extent. I still think they're a bit Champions League, but yeah. they're just they're too inconsistent over the ninety minutes. Yeah, Newcastle aren't going to be there. I don't think this year. Um, the only thing I would say with Arsenal is that we know they've got another gear or two to go up. The concern I have for them right now is that they, I think Gary Neville mentioned this in commentary, is that they, they seem to get into moments in these games where they, like the first 15 minutes in that game, I thought, Jesus Christ, they are going to absolutely batter everything in this game. They were so zippy with their passing. Everything was really sharp. Their movement was brilliant. And it to me, it just seemed like a matter of time before they get their first goal and then the floodgates were going to open. And the longer the game went on and it didn't come, they just got suckered into getting involved in a bit of a scrap with Everton and the game just really got a bit shit and it very much reminded me of exactly what Arsenal did towards the end of last season where they went into that rut where they were starting games I mean you know, how many games was it three or four games where they went at least one or two goals clear mm. and then either lost or drew those games and it it felt like that was the same thing that Arsenal were doing then so they do need to find a way of doing that. They need to find a way of being a bit more clinical when they're on top in those games and stop applying pressure to themselves to have to keep digging themselves out with a with a late goal and win games 1-0. It's all very well winning games 1-0 and it's you, you know you win the league doing that. But sooner or later that pressure's going to going to toll you if you keep putting yourself in that position it's not going to work, which is why Man City is so good because they very rarely find themselves in that position because they're usually two goals up by that point. Um so, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I think there's a lot of unknowns. The very fact that none of us can really say with any degree of certainty who's going to be the nearest says to me that I'm scared about this Premier League season because mm. I feel like Man City could really run away with it. It could be like a 20-point margin or yeah, something. Yeah, it could. I know, we're, look, we're five games in. We're making, we're, we're making assumptions based on what we've seen right now. Who knows what the future can hold? Maybe one or two teams suddenly find their groove and then they, they bugger off with Man City and we have a real title fight on our hands. And I hope that's the case. Um, but right now, anyway, um, it's it's looking a bit sketchy. And talking of Man City, what a lovely segue that was. Almost like we planned it. Uh, West Ham 1, Manchester City 3. Um, a game in which West Ham put up a fight, but no more than that, really. Um, find ourselves 1-0 in, uh, in front through James Ward-Prowse, who continues his incredibly impressive start to the season mm. for West Ham. And, um, yeah, and then <laughs> I was at, we were obviously at football at the weekend, and got the notification through that Ward Prowse has scored. I was like, oh, that's fucking lovely. Let's have a look at how the game's going. 22% possession, three shots on goal, 22, I think, at the time for, for Man City or something along those lines. Um, and yeah, the, the the highlights were scary how many Man City goals <laughs> they could have scored in it's this game. Harlan, like... Mm. Yeah, Harlan could have had at least three or four. Um, I want to talk about uh, Jeremy Doku, though, because, you know... We talked about earlier about Man City's approach for things and, and isolating areas in which they really need to improve and say, well, we've still got we've got a class player in this position, but this guy could be just that extra three percent better. Have they found that in Doku compared to Grealish? I think, uh, Grealish should be worried. Mm. You think his place is really under threat mm. here? Because Grealish, he just he lacks goals, whereas that Doku reminds me of like a better Adama Traore. Yes, that's not a bad description, actually. I mean, he had Kufal on toast all fucking game at the weekend. Um, uh, you know, the, the goal he scored was, I thought, was class. Uh, it was interesting because Doku had a very hit-and-miss game the first game. Mm. He, 
poor in possession, gave the ball away a lot, but it seemed like it really clicked in this game for him. And um, I'll be honest, I'm looking at him for FPL because he's yeah. fucking cheap. He's six and a half million. You know he won't start next game. No, I know he won't. Yeah, <laughs> Guardiola will just be giving it the wanker sign to everybody. All the FPL managers got ya. I wonder if he waits to see what like the selected thing is. <laughs> yeah. team selection. From yeah, you. Uh, Jeremy. Yeah, sorry. I know you played really well last week, but unfortunately, four million managers have transferred <laughs> you in this week, so I'm gonna have to put you on the bench. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean this this game was just further highlighting just the the the. the depth of talent that they have I mean it's it's scary it really is sometimes you take it for granted we all know how good they are but sometimes when you then see it against your own team and West Ham have had a great start of the season um, and we've been playing well we've been pretty robust defensively they just at times it, it looked like they were in a different league you know what I mean it, the, the, the difference in class I mean to be fair to Ward Prowse he came out after the game and he just said sometimes you've got to hold your hands up and say fair play like I'm not going to make excuses here because they were frankly just too good for us. I actually I saw a lot of West Ham fans for a change actually say, yeah, he's right. What's what's the point of getting upset when you get beaten by a City team that are doing that are playing like that? So I don't know. I think you're doing yourself a little bit of a discredit there because I thought West Ham were pretty good against them. Although you didn't have the possession side of it, you could have put a few past them and actually brought a real game to them. The Antonio miss was key because I yeah. think that would have made it 2-0 uh, yeah. or it certainly would have made well, it 2-1 it was up, uh, two up to one. about the 60th 65th minute or so you were you were in it for yeah. sure I think actually I think that would have I think it was 1-0 at the time when he went clean through and Antonio took a really heavy mm. touch I mean he burned, <laughs> yeah, yeah. he absolutely burned away from whichever defender was chasing him I think it might have been Rodri or Diaz I can't remember it was um, Rodri and he just took a really heavy touch and just allowed Edison to come off his line and smother the ball. But yeah, if that goes in, different game. And I did say to you, I think we said last week that, you know, West Ham, this will play into West Ham's hands, this style, because Man City are going to have all the ball. And if we can get Antonio bowing on the ball up in, in good areas on the break, we could hurt them. So, Such a confusing team. How would you go from being a good Premier League side the season before to almost getting relegated to then being... <laughs> One of the better teams in the Premier League again. What, what's your philosophy? Oh God! What, is my it, my is philosophy it, is, is I need more Moyes? just for men. Is, what, <laughs> is my philosophy. Um, so David Moyes historically has done this. He did it with Everton. He'd have yeah, one yeah. very good season, then he'd have an off season, then he'd come back again. Um, I'd love it if he would stop doing that and maybe just you know his off season would be a, a safe mid table rather than a relegation fight. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm enjoying it. We are. Uh, we've obviously. Our transfers have been very, very good. We've, we've still struggled to nail down a striker, but other than that, our transfers have been very, very good. Mm. Um, I really can't wait to see Kudus play a bit more. Um, I suspect we're going to see him in Europa League on Thursday night. Uh, we've got some Serbian team at home, which we, in theory, should win quite easily, so I suspect he'll start in that game. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm excited for the season, not necessarily because I think West Ham are going to be in a really attacking amazing team to watch but I just think we could cause some upsets and I think we'll win more games than we lose it as things stand things can change quickly I know but at the moment where did you where did you place them in your prediction I think I had them 10th I mean and in, in my predictions at the time this was I think after the first game of the season where we just played Bournemouth I was pretty uh, I sort of said in the video that I'm going with my uh, with my heart not my brain with this because I thought we'd be further down because yeah. they looked at our opening fixtures mm -hmm. and we had Brighton, Chelsea, City coming up 
and I was thinking, shit, this could be another bad start of the season, and all of a sudden we're down the bottom end again. So I think, where did you put them down? I think I had them about 14th or something. Yeah, so yeah. that's kind of where I thought they would be. And I'm very happy, at the moment at least, that so we've been proved wrong. Would you, would you revisit that to where they are now? Higher. It's, it's difficult because when you're a fan of your team, you get suckered into into. Um, oh, believe me, I know. <laughs> you get suckered into thinking that they're perhaps better than they are. I'd like to think with the, with the certainly with the squad of players we've got, we're more than capable of getting into Europe. With the squad of players we've got, the difference is going to be is how yeah. how Moyes can make them play across an entire season whilst having Europe as well. Jesse Lingard looks like it's almost a done deal. Um, For where? For us, short term. No short term. He's been no training way. with us for the thick end of a month. Is he? Um, we've only registered 24 players, not 25. And his number 11 shirt is free. So it's all there. It's, it's obvious it's going to happen. The only, the only thing... He was shit at Forest. He was. The only good thing I'll say is that he's played it behind closed doors friendly during the international break and probably did all right. The only thing I will say is that we are hiring him on a short term contract that's very performance based. So he might you off last season. Well, yes, he did. But the only thing I will say is that Moyes has got a habit of rekindling players who don't get on well with the fans. <laughs> players that don't want to play for the club. Yeah, oh, well, Arnautovic. <laughs> yeah. You know, he turned him in. He was a, he was hated by the West Ham fans when he first came in and he turned mm. him into a cult hero. Mm. So I'll give him another chance, just, well, because I'm not going to have a fucking choice, quite frankly, by the way things are going anyway. <laughs> um but I, if he was coming in on a, on a fairly big contract for a two-year deal, I'd be more annoyed. Mm-hmm. But the fact that he's coming in and saying, right, well, you fucked us over last time. You can have a short contract. You're only going to get paid big money if you play well. Prove it. I'm happy with that. I'm just, fine with just that. Just don't fall in love with him again. <laughs> if he turns up and scores a winning goal against United, all is forgiven. <laughs> don't be fucking hard. <laughs> So, but yeah, no, overall, um, I'm really pleased with how we started. James Ward-Prowse has been a revelation. Worried that Alvarez limped off with an injury. I don't know how bad that is. Hopefully not too bad. He loves a yellow card as well, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Yeah, well, we knew that when he came in. His record for yellow cards is horrific. (laughs) So, yeah, things are looking positive. Let's move on then. Talk Fulham against Luton Town. Um, We've got some... uh, (sighs) I don't really know what to say. Luton have looked a little better in the last couple of games. But I still don't think they're showing enough. I think they this could be a, uh, a really bad season for Luton. Mm. I thought to myself, we've said it already in the season, it could be a bad season. Played West Ham, they looked better. I thought this was a real chance against Fulham. I thought Fulham were there for the taking. And, and again, created some chances. Had very little possession in this game, which we've come to expect with Luton in their style of play. Pete, are they, are they effectively down by Christmas, in your opinion? Yeah. Yeah, that, that's definitely the one team I'm fully confident will go down. I'll be surprised if they surpass 20 points this season. Mm. Um, it's, it is difficult trying to change the style of play because the hoofball they played last season in the EFL, you know, you can you can get away with it because even if that defence makes 10 mistakes, you're given at least one or two proper chances to score. Mm-hmm. In the Premier League, you're just not going to get that. So they've, they've tried moving the ball around a bit more and doing progressive passing up the field you know it's they're getting a little bit of success from it but as soon as they get into the final third it's just so flat yeah um and you know they the chances are going to be few and far between and they're just not going to be able to to pick up enough points yeah in the chances they did have in this game when i saw the highlights it was very much like the west ham game they were rushed the decisions weren't quite right um and it, it just 
it's like the entire team is is Nicholas Jackson. You know, so that's <laughs> desperately trying to find that goal to give the team a, a lift and give them lift off in the Premier League. And I, I think they've scored one goal, uh, two goals, sorry, in their first opening games. Let's have a, a quick look at where they've, where they've got to. Yeah, two goals they've scored, one against us and one against um, whoever their first game of the season was against. I can't remember who it was. Um, so yeah, it's going to be a real tough season for them. Um, I'd like to see them. I don't. I don't want to see them cut adrift because it is a bit of a fairy tale, right? Having a team like Luton in the Premier League, it's an amazing story for their club and and what they've gone through in their recent times. It has come too early for them. I'm sorry to say, um, but at the same time, I don't want to see them embarrass themselves. I'd love to see them get a couple of big wins, give the crowd something to remember. Because who knows? This could be the only time we see Luton in the Premier League for God knows how long, right? So. You, you just hope that it, they get some really amazing memories to cherish um, until the next time they find themselves in the top flight. But yeah, I think this has just come a bit too early for them. Uh, what about Fulham? Because I can't work them out at all. I, I really don't know whether to think they're any good or whether to think that they're just sort of... Um, I don't think they are. They're, they're a shadow of what they were last yeah. season. What's happened with them? Because it can't all just be Mitrovic, who, by the way released a ridiculous fucking statement this week about his move to Saudi Arabia. I'm not going to bother reading it, but go and look it up <laughs> if you want to. Um, yeah, what's 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 going on with them? Have, they, have teams just found them out a little bit and worked them out? <laughs> I don't really know, to be honest. I, I, they, I, they haven't got a goal scorer, in my opinion. Like him, like I've said it so many times, Jimenez is just a shell of the player he was. Yeah. I don't really rate that Carlos Vinicius, to be honest. No, I mean, this was the first time he'd even come off the bench. Mm. It's the first minutes he's had this season he comes off the bench and scores. So good return ratio, I suppose, but yeah. he's not shown anything in the time he's played for Fulham, really, that he's the guy that can lead the line for them. Um, I mean, I can't remember what where we put them in our, in our table predictions, but I think I put them reasonably low, like lower mid-table. Yeah, I think I had them maybe around 10th or so. I think I might have had them around thirteenth, somewhere around that. What, uh, Pete? What do you think about Fulham? What What's their season going to look like? Do you think? Do you think they're in a spot of trouble, or do you think they'll be? No, right? not. They're not in trouble. Um, they're still going to pick teams apart. You know, there's still a team there. There's just nothing of what they were last season. I mean, they were flying last season. It could just be like a fairy tale. I'm not too sure, but um, when you lose Mitrovic, you know he's been there for so many years. You sort of want to build the team around him, and you have the style of play, but. When he goes last minute, it's a little bit difficult to try and um, change things up. And right, you, you're going to come in now. And he was just such a hard player to deal with. I mean, I know we criticised him previously in the seasons mm. before, but last season there was just something totally different about him. Um, and it's a little bit gut wrenching, you know, when you lose that striker that scores your goals and, <laughs> and you're trying to fill him in with with someone else. It's difficult sometimes and. It's never a one-man team, but sometimes that player does really help. And they, you know, they they moulded their team around him for a number of years. Um, so to 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 lose him, even if they did bring in another striker, it's it's not just going to be a yeah, right. You go in and be Mitrovic. It's, there's going to be an adjustment period anyway, regardless of who they bring in. So, yeah, I think if Fulham can find a striker, I think you're right. I think the the, the team behind them is okay, but the goal scoring is going to be mm. a real real problem for them. Um, and I don't know if anybody, even in their midfield, really is going to score enough goals to make them serious contenders for anything. Yeah. I think Pereira, as you say, has gone off the boil. Declan over Reed might chip in with the odd one here or there. Mm-hmm. Harry Wilson, they brought in Iwobi. Well, William was good for them last season. Yeah, but he's obviously not getting any younger. You've got Iwobi in there now, who's 
you know, will add something, but he's never been a big goal scorer or assister, really. So they need to address that. Maybe we'll see them dip in for a striker in, in January if things don't work out um, with Jimenez and with, with Carlos Vinicius. And so just after the football chat, with another player that's been uh, not suspended, but a uh, <laughs> yes, suspended. Harry Toffolo. Yeah. Now, do any of you agree with the length of the ban at all or not? Or the suspended ban? Um, it's difficult because I don't know the ins and outs of the rules. So he's, so, he's had X amount of bets, which I think it was actually more than more. Yeah, it's about I, 100 more, I think. Um, but he openly admitted uh, when he was about 13 or 14 years old that he had uh, a gambling addiction. It was I read 16, 17. It's when he was at Norwich, right? I think. Yeah. Okay. Um, so. 15. Yeah, well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, whoever he's betting with needs to be thrown down as well, yeah. Um, I don't, it, the, the specifics of the case are different, right? Yeah. So He's not betting on his own team. He's not betting on his own team. He did it when he was younger. He didn't lie and try and deny it either. Um, so it's not a. You know, you're not, it's not oranges and oranges here. Um, so. The trouble is, is that because it's such a high-profile case with Ivan Tony, and it's because you know that was its own thing, and there was a lot of hurrah about it at the time. When this comes out, and you see there's been a hundred more uh, infractions, and then you see that he's not even been suspended for a little bit; it's actually a suspended sentence. So there's actually no real punishment for him mm. as long as he keeps his nose clean. There's no punishment for him. So I can 100% see why this leaves a massive sour taste in any Brentford fan's um, mouth. But at the same time, they aren't the same thing. Tony was doing this at a much older age on his own team while he was playing for them. Um, do I agree with the, the the wildly different ends of the spectrum on this on this uh, ban? No, I think ultimately betting is betting. You know, we've seen enough people losing careers and losing other bits and pieces for stuff they did earlier in their life. How come is it's okay for him but not mm-hmm. for other people? So. Yeah, I think I think you could actually say the same at both ends. I think you could say that Harry Toffolo's isn't strong enough, and I think you can say Avantonis is too strong. I yeah. think they should be a little bit closer together here. Um, Ivan Tony clearly was made a little bit of an example of, um, given the nature of what he'd done. And I think they've let Harry Toffolo off, maybe they put it down to exuberant youth. Um, they like his honesty, perhaps, and maybe he's shown signs of re- reforming himself, and maybe he's been to you know rehabilitation stuff I don't know it doesn't half make you question though because if whatever age obviously it couldn't have been 13 that was a brilliant (laughs) but if he's openly admitted that he's been betting since then obviously they've not been he's not been a high profile player for many years at all more so than in the EFL they know he's been betting yeah so why are they not dealt with it it is that there's a player there going yes I'm still betting why have they not dealt with that? So is he is on. he has he been betting since he was sixteen, seventeen up to today? Yes. Ah, right. Still so that's openly being honest. When even when he got into the Premier League, he was honest about the fact that he he bets and he's got a problem. Right. So why I'm have ass- they not dealt with this? I'm assuming he's betting on other countries and not I Premier League stuff. I've, I've, I've no idea. All I know is he's not bet on himself or his right. own teams. So that cha- again that changes it even more for me. I th- I was under the impression that he was doing all of that when he was much younger, and then he stopped. If we're saying that actually he's been carrying it on through most of his playing career, then that's that's even more. Is that just dis- publicity dis- from the from the Premier League, or <sighs> I don't know. But if he, if he has been carrying on into his 
playing career up to up to now, regardless of whether he's betting on his team or not, he should have been suspended for a period of time and given a bigger fine. Um, yeah. Simple, simple as that. I think to to get away with nothing. Um, if I'm Ivan Tony, I mean, is there any is there any legal precedent here because they're not exactly the same? And I think one was, I think actually the charges were different, wasn't it? Because one was match fixing mm. and one was just betting. I think or whatever the yeah. terminology is. I think Tony was charged with match fixing, mm. whereas the other one was just betting yeah. because yeah. it was his own team. So there's probably laws and jurisdictions around those two mm-hmm. different charges which might explain it. But um, yeah, I can, as I say, I can totally understand why Brentford fans would be very, very disappointed, but they ain't got long to wait because he can be back in training in about a month's time, I think. So, you know, yeah. he's, he's not, he's not got long to wait. And we see Brentford have had a good start to the season as well. So they've not missed him as much as maybe we thought they might, but it doesn't, doesn't make it any better for Tony. Right? Mm-hmm. He's having to sit he's around. Be the player that he was when he comes back or? Um, I think he will. I think he'll come back with a bit of a point to prove. You know, be, he's not coming back from a long-term injury or something that can hamper his career. Yeah. Um, whether it, I suppose the only thing we'll have to see is whether it's affected his sort of mental desire and passion for football. If he feels like he's been made a scapegoat or if he feels like he's been made an example of, he might, his levels might drop yeah. because he just sort of feels hard done by almost. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Um, right. Okay. Uh, good chat. Let's now round out the show and we'll start with this. Damn the stat, man. So Mohamed Salah has been directly involved in 200 goals in 223 games for Liverpool this season. Sorry, not this season. That'd be good, wouldn't it? <laughs> Hell of a season, five games in. Yeah, um, in the Premier League, uh, with only one player reaching this milestone and fewer appearances for a single club in the competition. For a single club? Mm-hmm. Recent player? I've got, the only one I've got in mind is Song at the moment. Nope. No? Not playing anymore. Be okay. Not playing in the Premier League or retired in completely? Retired completely. Henri? Yeah. Oh. Fucking get it. There we go. <laughs> I was actually, I was going to say Luis Suarez, actually, but I didn't know how many done. Uh, good stuff. Right, there you go. Um, and now we move on to the quiz. Hello and welcome back, Dan. Uh, the scores are 1-0 to you because we don't count the first trial one. Fine. Do we, do we count the trial one? No, it's okay. No, okay. Um, <laughs> Doesn't matter, mate. You're not doing any forfeits. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Much the same with this one. Um, just going to be multiple choice. Um, I've got 12 questions in total, so it's up to you whether we want to... I ask you one, then I ask Dan one, or you can answer first. No, what you feel, you're you're feeling honest, and we'll just say the answer at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, can't change your answer though for the other person. Well, we just do um, one to four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. okay, we'll do that then. Okay, dokie. So, question one: What links? This is from last season. Okay. okay. What links the five teams that finished 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th, and 12th? So all their names start with the same letter. 
They're all London clubs. They all won the same number of points, or they have all been managed by Sam Allardyce. <laughs> Teams that finished in 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th, and 12th. I can give you a hint. Chelsea was not one of them. Oh. I'm joking. Oh, 13th, oh. weren't they? Were they? No, I'm joking. They were Oh. <laughs> I was going to say, I thought they were. Okay, well, that rules out Sam Allardyce. Then. <laughs> okay. Uh, really? Yeah. Uh, okay, Chris has said they are all London clubs. As has Dan. They're both giving me the fingers up. Chris has got more of a peace side. Yeah. Some a nice um, guy. I knew what I was doing. <laughs> You're both correct, yeah. They're all London clubs. Can you name the teams by chance? Right, the only one I can think of were Chelsea and Brentford. Palace. Yeah. yeah. And Fulham, Fulham. And Spurs. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so that's one off. Uh, question number two. Which team stayed up after being bottom of the table on Christmas Day last season? Was it Bournemouth, Wolves, Forest or Everton? The bottom of the Premier League on Christmas Day. Bournemouth. That went a bit under the radar, didn't it? Because mm. like that is normally a big thing. If you're bottom of Christmas, you're normally gone. So unless maybe we've just either forgotten or it went under the radar. Uh, in what order? So Bournemouth, Wolves, Forest or Everton. Really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you've both gone for Forest? Yeah. You're both wrong. Oh, is it Everton? Wolves. Really? Was it? Mm. Wolves only won uh, two games before Christmas, but pulled things around under Lopetegui in the new year, if you remember that. Oh, uh, yeah. He came in. Who was their they manager before? They could not goals, could they? Who was, who was their Wolves' manager before? I'm trying to think who it was. No could, be, could be a quiz question. Some Portuguese, but... Diego, someone, wasn't it? I can't remember. No? All right. Someone Portuguese, yeah, probably. Um, question number three. What happened last season for the first time in Premier League history? So all three promoted clubs stayed up. The three bottom clubs won more than 40 points. Uh, the 10 teams in the top half had a positive goal difference. And the 10 teams in the bottom half had a negative goal difference. Or... All of the clubs in the bottom half of the final table sacked their managers. So what happened this uh, last season for the first time in Premier League history? I'll give, do you want me to give you the answers again? Just yeah, quickly again, yeah, uh, just so about the order. Three promoted clubs all stayed up. The three bottom clubs all won more than 40 points. Top half of the table had positive goal difference and the bottom half had negative. Or all of the clubs in the bottom half of the final table sacked their managers. You ready? Mm-hmm. So Chris has gone for uh, three promoted clubs all stayed up, as has Dan. No. Yeah, they did, didn't they? Yeah. Forest, Leeds, Southampton and Leicester went down. Forest, Fulham and Bournemouth, wasn't it? Well, that's not the answer I've got. <laughs> what answer have you got? Uh, Man City scored uh, more goals at home than Man United scored in total. They had the best goal difference against Southampton. It doesn't really fucking answer the question, but apparently... The so top, I top saying half... it's got to be one of the first seasons where none of the teams that came up went straight back down. Yeah. I have a feeling they've got that wrong then. Yeah. <laughs> so who, who came up last it was season? Forest, Fulham and Bournemouth, no? Yes. 
because Bournemouth came up with Parker. They mm. sacked him really early because they thought he was going to be and shit. Fulham obviously had a, a really good season. With Mitrovic, and, yeah, um, defied the odds. Forrest obviously came up and bought tons of players. And Let's have a quick look at the old table from last year to see whether the... Um, uh, the top half of the league had goal difference positives. In fairness, they're not wrong with their... So there's two correct answers here. So the top half of the league all had positive goal differences and the bottom half all had negative goal differences. Yeah, and they all stayed up. So you, yeah, you're right. We're taking, we're <laughs> taking right, a point. You're all right. Everyone's right. <laughs> Everyone's out. Two right. <laughs> Fucking the Guardian can do one. <laughs> <laughs> their papers. Um, right. Question number four. Haaland scored four hat-tricks in his debut season in the Premier League. Which other City player scored a hat-trick last season? Alvarez, De Bruyne, Foden or Mares? Ooh. Naughty. Is this just Premier League or is this... Just Premier League. Mm. Which other player scored a hat-trick last season? Alvarez, De Bruyne... Foden or Maritz? This is really tricky. It is, yeah. Really tricky. Know, I'm, go. I'm sort of like convincing in my head an argument <laughs> for all four of them doing it. Um, I'll give you a hint. Actually, no, I won't give you a hint. No. I'll just tell you after. Yeah. <laughs> right, you ready? Mm-hmm. So oh. Chris has gone for Alvarez and Dan has gone for Maritz. You're both wrong. Good. <laughs> Foden. Oh. Do you know what gaming? Score a hat trick in? Well, clearly you don't know. Um, against United when oh, they yeah, beat you six. Harlan <laughs> scored three. Was that going to be your hint that he did it against United? Yeah. <laughs> so Harlan scored three that game and got two assists for Foden's hat trick as well. How many, did, how many did they score past? Was that a... It was a six three win uh-huh. against United. Okay, so it stays at all. Uh, <laughs> question number five there were only 30 red cards last season the lowest since the 93-94 season but which team had six players sent off i.e. the most players sent off Leeds Chelsea Spurs or Wolves last season last season Leeds. how many red cards six six Leeds Chelsea Spurs or Wolves? Okay. Okay. I'm semi-confident I'm in this. I'm confident. Okay. So Dan has gone for Wolves and Chris has gone for Spurs. Dan is right. Ah. Wolves. I don't expect you to name all the players I on know that. Collins got one. Collins. Um, and that's why I went for yeah. a Wolves player in my predictions last season. because uh, This season, because I remember they got quite a few red cards last season. Dawson must have got one. No. Jimenez. Oh. No. Oh, Dio Costa. Oh. Johnny. <laughs> oh, we should have thought that, yeah. Nunez and Semedo. Oh, that's right, yeah, because Costa came back, didn't, didn't score a goal, did he? <laughs> yeah. got, well, you know, he scored one toe punning and yeah. got sent off. And they accounted for 20% of the red cards in the Premier League. <laughs> right, so that's uh, point for Dan. That's 3 2. Uh, question number six Who is the only. Outfield player to feature in every minute of his team's 38 games. I think I know. And you're going to be really mindfucked by this because there's no goalkeepers in this. No, okay. I think I might know. I think I might know as well. Harry Kane, Alex Awobi, Declan Rice, or James Tarkovsky? I don't know. <laughs> I thought it was Bruno Fernandes. <laughs> yeah. so who was the only outfield player to feature in every minute 
of his team's 38 games. And I can tell it's getting late because I said there's no goalkeepers in it. And I said outfield fucking players. <laughs> so Harry Kane, Alex Awobi, Declan Rice or James Tarkovsky? Sorry, who is it? Name them again. Harry Kane, Alex Awobi, Declan Rice or James Tarkovsky? Okay. I'm going to fucking not confident. I'm going to shoot myself if I've second guessed myself here. Okay, so Chris has gone. That was who I was going to go for. (laughs) Chris has gone for Harry Kane. Dan's gone for Declan Rice. You're both wrong. James Tarkovsky. He, along with Ramsdale, De Gea, and Raya, played every minute for their club last Mm. season. I thought Bruno had played every minute. Getting their money's worth out of him. Uh, question number seven. Which of these teams scored the same number of goals last season? So Man City and Liverpool, Aston Villa and Leicester, Newcastle and Leeds, Arsenal and Tottenham. Which of these teams scored the same number of goals? Go on, I'm just guessing because I haven't got fucking good. Go for him again. Just pick a number. So, which of these teams scored the same number of goals this season? Man City and Liverpool last season. Man City and Liverpool, Aston Villa, Leicester, Newcastle, Leeds, Arsenal, Tottenham. Okay. Okay. So, Chris has said Aston Villa, Leicester, and Dan has said Newcastle, Leeds. Chris is correct. So Aston Villa qualified for Europe and Leicester went down, but they both scored the same amount of goals. That's kind of what I went for, because I remember Leicester scoring a lot of goals last season, yeah. but mm. were just shit defensively. I was just thinking the opposite. Like, Newcastle didn't really score many, but they had a good defence, whereas Leeds were quite an attacking team. Yeah. Hmm. Are we yeah. heading for another decider? I, I knew it was three all. one of the other two, like City, Liverpool. <laughs> I'll just do the 10 questions, because I yeah, don't expect to be this long. All right, so uh, question number eight. Uh... The season lasted 297 days. Just to rub salt into the wound of any Arsenal fans listening, for how many of them were <laughs> Arsenal top of the league? Was it 162 days, 204 days, 248 days, or 282 days of the 297? Do, those, do the options again, sorry, one more time. 162, 204, 248, 282. Okay. Okay. Ready? Yeah. Chris has gone 248, as is Dan. You're both correct. They held the top spot for 84% of the season, (laughs) but did not finish as champions. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Mm. So that's four all. Question number nine. You know know what's coming. (laughs) In contradiction to my question earlier, all three promoted clubs, Bournemouth, Fulham and Nottingham Forest, (laughs) in the previous 30 Premier League seasons, how many times did this happen? Never, once, three times or five times? does not contradict myself because the question earlier said for the first time in history. So there's a little bit of a hint. Ah, so maybe we didn't get the answer right then. 
Okay, so it's three all. Yeah. Doesn't matter. If that's, <laughs> yeah, because if that was the question first time in history... I fucking knew I was right. So that contradicts <laughs> this question at the same time. It's obviously not number one. Oh, there you go. I've given you a hint. So it's once, three <laughs> times, or five times. Well, I'm changing my answer then. <laughs> uh, go on then. You ready? Okay. So Dan's gone for three times. Chris has gone for five times. Dan is correct. That's happened in 2001 2 season, 2011 12 season, and the 16 17 season. Last question. <laughs> I've got extra questions just in case this is a draw. So Man City have won the top flight title three times in a row, but who were the first team to achieve this feat? In the Premier League or in top flight? Top flight, okay. So Arsenal, Preston North End, there's a team, Huddersfield Town or Liverpool? Mm. So who were the first team to achieve this feat? None of the above. Yeah. <laughs> I was um, actually thinking Chelsea. Top flight here, so we're not just talking Premier League, yeah, we're, we're talking, talking well, all, all, all time. Preston were mentioned, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, all right, that was a bit of a giveaway. <laughs> Arsenal, Preston North End, Huddersfield Town or Liverpool? Okay. Yeah. Uh, no. Just same, just so I know what order they're in. Arsenal, Preston North End, Huddersfield Town, Liverpool. Okay. Ready? Yeah. Fuck that. <laughs> Why'd you have to copy me now? I can't, so I can't get back on level terms. You've gone for Preston North End, and you're both wrong. It's Huddersfield Town. Oh, I knew it was going to be one of the two. It was I, definitely never going to be Arsenal Liverpool, was, was yeah, it? Yeah, I knew it wasn't so, those two. Uh, they done it from 1923 to 1926. Man United were the last team to do so before City. United. Those days are long gone, damn. Yeah. Uh, I'll save them take questions because I have to fucking fact check them. <laughs> Excellent. Right, thank you very much for that, Pete. Uh, so that makes it one all on the scores. We'll be back next week, of course. Um, the return of Anime Manager is reasonably imminent. Recording is going to be starting this week, so if you're a fan of that series, season five. Mm. Season five will be returning fairly soon. Part of me is excited, part of me is apprehensive. Thirteen-year-old <laughs> like um, Dan Hold looking to retire. All <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, if if I don't win a trophy this season, like what He's is that? A manager of the month. Don't like how you hang that over my head. <laughs> you know full well you've won about fourteen of them. I'm running out of cabinet. <laughs> Oh dear, but yeah, season five of that will return fairly shortly. Um, we've got some other bits going on as well. And as always, thank you very much for listening and we'll see you all next week. Bye. Bye.